This is section 63 of Mark Twain, A Biography. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mark Twain, A Biography, Volume 1, Part 2, 1866 to 1875. Chapter 63, In Washington, A Publishing Proposition. Clemens remained but one day in New York. Senator Stewart had written, about the time of the departure of the Quaker City, offering him the position of private secretary, a position which was to give him leisure for literary work, with a supporting salary as well. Stewart no doubt thought it would be considerably to his advantage to have the brilliant writer and lecturer attached to his political establishment, and Clemens likewise saw possibilities in the arrangement. From Naples, in August, he had written, accepting Stuart's offer. He lost no time now in discussing the matter in person. In a letter home, August 9th, he referred to the arrangement. I wrote to Bill Stuart today, accepting his private secretaryship in Washington next winter. There seems to have been little difficulty in concluding the arrangement. When Clemens had been in Washington a week, we find him writing, Dear folks, tired and sleepy, been in Congress all day, and making newspaper acquaintances. Stewart is to look up a clerkship in the patent office for Orion. Things necessarily move slowly where there is so much business and such armies of office-seekers to be attended to. I guess it will be all right. I intend it shall be all right. I have eighteen invitations to lecture at one hundred dollars each in various parts of the Union, have declined them all. I am for business now belong on the Tribune staff, and shall write occasionally. Am offered the same berth today on the Herald by letter. Shall write Mr. Bennett, and accept, as soon as I hear from Tribune that it will not interfere. Am pretty well known now. Intend to be better known." am hobnobbing with these old generals and senators and other humbugs for no good purpose don't have any more trouble making friends than i did in california all serene good-bye shall continue on the alta yours affectionately sam p s i room with Bill Stewart, and board at Willard's Hotel. But the secretary arrangement was a brief matter. It is impossible to conceive of Mark Twain as anybody's secretary, especially as the secretary of Senator Stewart. In Senator Stewart's memoirs he refers unpleasantly to Mark Twain, and after relating several incidents that bear only strained relations to the truth, states that when the writer returned from the Holy Land, he, Stuart, offered him a secretaryship as a sort of charity. He adds that Mark Twain's behavior on his premises was such that a threat of a thrashing was necessary. 
the reason for such statements becomes apparent however when he adds that in roughing it the author accuses him of cheating prints a picture of him with a hatch over his eye and claims to have given him a sound thrashing none of which statements save only the one concerning the picture an apparently unforgivable offense to his dignity is true as the reader may easily ascertain for himself within a few weeks he was writing humorous accounts of my late senatorial secretaryship facts concerning the recent resignation etc all good-natured burlesque but inspired we may believe by the change these articles appeared in the new york tribune the new york citizen and the galaxy magazine there appears to have been no ill-feeling at this time between clemens and stuart if so it is not discoverable in any of the former's personal or newspaper correspondence in fact in his article relating to his late senatorial secretaryship he puts the joke so far as it is a joke on senator james w nye probably as an additional punishment for nye's failure to appear on the night of his lecture he established headquarters with a brilliant newspaper correspondent named riley one of the best men in washington or elsewhere he tells us in a brief sketch of that person see riley newspaper correspondent sketches new and old he had known riley in san francisco the two were congenial and settled down to their several undertakings clemens was chiefly concerned over two things he wished to make money and he wished to secure a government appointment for orion he had used up the most of his lecture accumulations and was moderately in debt his work was in demand at good rates for those days and with working opportunity he could presently dispose of his financial problem the tribune was anxious for letters the enterprise and alta were waiting for them the herald the chicago tribune the magazines all had solicited contributions the lecture bureaus pursued him personally his outlook was bright the appointment for orion was a different matter the powers were not especially interested in a brother there were too many brothers and assorted relatives on the official waiting list already clemens was offered appointments for himself a consulship a postmastership even that of san francisco from the cabinet down the washington political contingent had read his travel letters and was ready to recognize officially the author of them in his own person and personality also socially mark twain found himself all at once in the midst of receptions dinners and speech-making all very exciting for a time at least but not profitable not conducive to work at a dinner of the washington correspondence club his response to the toast women was pronounced by schuyler colfax to be the best after-dinner speech ever made certainly it was a refreshing departure from the prosy or clumsy-witted efforts common to that period he was coming altogether into his own this is the first of mark twain's after-dinner speeches to be preserved the reader will find it complete as reported next day in appendix g at the end of last volume he was not immediately interested in the matter of book publication the jumping frog book was popular and in england had been issued by routledge 
but the royalty returns were modest enough and slow in arrival. His desire was for prompter results. His interest in book publication had never been an eager one, and related mainly to the advertising it would furnish, which he did not now need, or to the money return, in which he had no great faith. Yet at this very moment a letter for him was lying in the Tribune office in New York, which would bring the book idea into first prominence and spell the beginning of his fortune. Among those who had read and found delight in the Tribune letters was Elisha Bliss, Jr., of the American Publishing Company of Hartford. Bliss was a shrewd and energetic man, with a keen appreciation for humor and the American fondness for that literary quality. He had recently undertaken the management of a Hartford concern, and had somewhat alarmed its conservative directorate by publishing books that furnished entertainment to the reader as well as moral instruction. Only his success in paying dividends justified this heresy and averted his downfall. Two days after the arrival of the Quaker City, Bliss wrote the letter above mentioned. It ran as follows. Office of the American Publishing Company, Hartford, Connecticut, November 21, 1867. Samuel L. Clemens, Esquire, Tribune Office, New York. Dear Sir, we take the liberty to address you this in place of a letter which we had recently written and were about to forward to you not knowing your arrival home was expected so soon we are desirous of obtaining from you a work of some kind perhaps compiled from your letters from the past etc with such interesting additions as may be proper we are the publishers of a d richardson's works and flatter ourselves that we can give an author a favorable term and do as full justice to his productions as any other house in the country we are perhaps the oldest subscription house in the country and have never failed to give a book an immense circulation we sold about one hundred thousand copies of richardson's f d and e field dungeon and escape and are now printing forty one thousand of beyond the mississippi and large orders ahead if you have any thought of writing a book or could be induced to do so we should be pleased to see you and will do so will you do us the favor of reply at once at your earliest convenience very truly etc e bliss jr secretary after ten days delay this letter was forwarded to the tribune bureau in washington where Clemens received it. He replied promptly. Washington, December 2nd, 1867. E. Bliss, Jr., Esquire, Secretary, American Publishing Company. Dear Sir, I only received your favor of November 21st last night at the rooms of the Tribune Bureau here. It was forwarded from the Tribune office, New York, where it had lain eight or ten days. This will be a sufficient apology for the seeming discourtesy of my silence. I wrote fifty-two letters for the San Francisco Alta, California, during the Quaker City excursion, about half of which number have been printed thus far. The Alta has few exchanges in the East, 
and I suppose scarcely any of these letters have been copied on this side of the Rocky Mountains. I could weed them of their chief faults of construction and inelegancies of expression, and make a volume that would be more acceptable in many respects than any I could now write. When those letters were written, my impressions were fresh, but now they have lost that freshness. They were warm then, they are cold now. I could strike out certain letters, and write new ones wherewith to supply their places. If you think such a book would suit your purpose, please drop me a line specifying the size and general style of the volume, when the matter ought to be ready, whether it should have pictures in it or not, and particularly what your terms with me would be, and what amount of money I might possibly make out of it. The latter clause has a degree of importance for me, which is almost beyond my own comprehension. But you understand that, of course. I have other propositions for a book, but have doubted the propriety of interfering with good newspaper engagements, except my way as an author could be demonstrated to be plain before me. But I know Richardson, and learned from him some months ago something of an idea of the subscription plan of publishing. If that is your plan, invariably it looks safe. I am on the New York Tribune staff here as an occasional, among other things, and a note from you addressed to very truly, etc., Sam L. Clemens, New York Tribune Bureau, Washington, will find me without fail. The exchange of those two letters marked the beginning of one of the most notable publishing connections in American literary history. Consummation, however, was somewhat delayed. Bliss was ill when the reply came, and could not write again in detail until nearly a month later. In this letter he recited the profits made by Richardson and others through subscription publication, and named the royalties paid. Richardson had received four percent of the sale price, a small enough rate for these later days, but the cost of manufacture was larger then, and the sale and delivery of books through agents has ever been an expensive process. Even Horace Greeley had received but a fraction more on his great American conflict. Bliss especially suggested and emphasized a humorous work, that is to say, a work humorously inclined. He added that they had two arrangements for paying authors, outright purchase and royalty. He invited a meeting in New York to arrange terms. End of chapter 63 in Washington, a publishing proposition. Read by John Greenman.